This is crazy. This is absolutely insane. Such at a loss for words. I mean, I'll find them, don't worry. Do I like playing against adversity? Man, I just like playing, period. I'm just I'm shocked and I'm so proud of our guys, man. Unbelievable. Putting the crest on every single time means something to me. I'm Josh Bernay from the U.S. Paralympic Soccer Team, and you're listening to the U.S. Soccer Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the U.S. Soccer Podcast. I'm Jordan Angeli, and always, I'm joined by Charlie Davies. How are you, Charlie? I'm doing well. It's another day. I see the yeah. light at the end of the tunnel. We're getting to the summer <laughs> where we right? get back to national team games for both the men and women's. I'm pumped. Let's go. And big things happening for you. You and Stu Holden, I know, are like starting this workout competition you guys always got to keep it competitive huh well well this is the thing i wasn't expecting to literally jump into a competition right away but as soon as he put me on blast on instagram <laughs> it's on i now. said okay it's on let me oh, wake up these quads and it's game over for oh, for so your boys to holden it never ends right it never ends <laughs> um no. but we've got a really special guest today we do we do and it's part of u.s soccer celebration of black history month this week, we welcome one of the U.S. men's national team's most accomplished players of all time. DeMarcus Beasley is the only men's player to play for the U.S. in four FIFA World Cups. He is one of 17 players to earn 100 caps and wow. is one of the most well-traveled U.S. players of all time, playing in the Netherlands for PSV, England for Manchester City, Germany, Scotland, and Mexico, as well as MLS. So basically... I mean, the guy is just, uh, how do we say, a renaissance man in, in right. the sport of, of soccer. Now in retirement, he's still making his mark on the game as an owner of the new USL League Two side, Fort Wayne FC, and working on CBS sports coverage of the UEFA Champions League. With a resume like that, you know that it might be um, a couple episodes to get through everything. So here's part one. We're hoping we get part two eventually with bees, but uh, what a good conversation. I hope you guys enjoy. Just a few minutes into our interview, Bees opened up and told us how he learned about some of his family's history as slaves. He misspoke during the story, saying his grandfather experienced slavery when he really meant to say it was his great-grandfather. We're touched that he shared this with us, and now we're excited to have you listen. We have special guest Demarcus <laughs> Beasley. Bees, welcome to the show. How are you doing? That's the best intro you can do? That was it? <laughs> no, we do, we do another one. Before this one. So this, oh, is just okay. like, this is just the start of the interview. Come on, man. Ah, okay. All right. I see what's up. Got, uh, yeah, I'm good, man. One of the goats. Are you crazy? Come on, man. <laughs> I'm all right, man. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in. I'm hanging in. How y'all doing? We're good. Yeah, we're we're good. so excited to uh, talk to you. And I can already tell there's going to be some good banter between you guys. <laughs> that's going to happen. So I'm here for that. Uh, how's the last year been for you, Bees? How have you been coping with everything that's been happening? Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been tough. I mean, I guess like everybody else, wine and Zoom. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's about it. We're missing one can, thing here, then. Yeah, I know. I mean, we don't have any wine at the moment. It is a little early in Houston, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been good uh, as far as you know, just trying to find new ways to uh, you know to interact with people and and um, get business done. Obviously, with with the pandemic and everything that's going on in, in the world, not just in our country, but uh, it, it, it was tough in the beginning. Um, but I think now that everyone, or maybe a little bit trying to get to a little bit of uh, normalcy, it's it's uh, it's not as bad as as um, it was in the, when it first came out. 
you're, you're spot on with that. And you also know it's Black History Month. How right. is this year's different than years past? Uh, I mean, for me personally, it's different um, because I, I, w- I, especially last year, last year, uh, I went and I spoke to my grandparents, my great grandparents, that are the ones that are still alive. And they told me the whole history of uh, the Beasley folks family. And I had never done that before. I had never done that before. And so just, you know, hearing them speak and hearing them tell me, he was on the phone for like two hours, you know, hearing them, uh-huh. uh, my, my aunts, you know, they're, you know, they're 80, 85, 86 years old. Uh, one's 90, I think. So, you know, they have all the history of, you know, uh, how we grew up and how I became DeMarcus Beasley. And so just hearing those stories and really listening to what was going on um, uh, back then when they were growing up, you know, and I thought that was something that's amazing to me and something I know that's it's Black History Month, but I keep that with me all the time now. You know, just the stories, the the, the power of the strength that my grandparents and my, my, my aunts and my uncles had to go through for me to 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 live in Houston and, and have a daughter and to play soccer and all these things that I've done in my in my career. Uh, I give so much, so much, you know, um, uh, blessings to them and for them for putting me into the space I'm in now. Can you share with us a little bit about your family history? Like, you know, how did you end up in Indiana? Yeah. <laughs> well, so my, my, my background is, uh, they're from, well, my family is from, um, Georgia. Uh, my dad's from Georgia and then uh, other parts from Alabama as well, from Montgomery. And so they, you know, they grew up as, as slaves, you know, they, they were, uh, they had a, they had a master and, you know, um, they, uh, lived it just how, you know, you, you, you read about it in books or you hear about other people's stories, you know, I don't want to get too, you know, in, into it too much, you know, but, uh, that's what it was about. But at the same time, it wasn't just, you know, about the struggle. It was about, you know, how they, uh, got through everything as a family, you know, how, how I could talk, I talked about strength and perseverance and how they, how they really stayed together and, and really, held my my grandfather really held the the family together as a glue you know he did what he had to do whether that was picking cotton whether that was uh being the chauffeur for for his master doing those things to 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 put food on the table you know what i'm saying he did what he had to do wasn't a you know he didn't talk back you know he was a, he was a, a man's man that took care of his family and you know that's what we my family now that's what we we live on is 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 family values and i've never forgot where i came from it's cool to hear you talk about that and how you and spoke to them about just your family and and the history of your family. But I think when they look at you, they're so proud of what you were able to accomplish. And we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, I'm so, ready. I'm ready. I, so I think we need to. I think we need to jump right in. You bees are one of the most decorated players on the U.S. in U.S. men's national team history. So let's go back to the beginning. Uh, Charlie mentioned Indiana. How'd you get started? And we're curious what the landscape of soccer looked like in Indiana in the, <laughs> when you were growing up. Yeah, you can say it, the, the 80s. It's all right. You can say it. I know I'm old. <laughs> I was going to say it's all, Yeah, 90s. you can say it. I, yeah. said, I, I was thinking early 90s, but hey, if you want to go 80s. 80s. Yeah, I'm an 80s baby. Okay, I'm an 80s baby. It. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, my I don't have any family history about soccer. Uh, my dad played basketball and football growing up. Uh, my mom was a track. She ran track. So there was no soccer history whatsoever. And um, to be, to be honest, the, the story is as simple as you you can you can imagine. My dad just kind of wanted his boys to uh, do something fun and energetic and and get out of the house. That was it, really. He brought home a soccer ball. He didn't know anything about soccer either, you know. So he just brought home a ball, and then uh, we started kicking around outside in the backyard, my brother and I, and and that was it, you know. And then 
as time went went by, my dad actually self-taught himself how to be a coach. You know what I'm saying? So he was like our kind of like our our first our first coach. So when we started kind of playing and he kind of saw, okay, you know, my boys, they kind of like this, you know. So then he kind of did his little his studying a little bit. So we got all the, the VHA, VHS tapes and all the, you know, soccer stuff because it wasn't soccer on TV back then. Right. right. So yeah. what, what was your first memory of, of watching the game? And then how was the sport viewed by, by peers in Indiana? Because I feel like that is a community just about basketball. And that's football. all it was. And that's, that was all, that's yeah. it. So <laughs> that's you, all it was. you're out there playing soccer. <laughs> what are, what are your friends saying? Yeah, what friends? I had no friends. <laughs> I had zero friends. Nah, man, they, it, for real. It was um, they looked at me like uh, with a side eye. You know, I'm like, you want to play soccer? Like, really? Like all the people I went to school with, and you know, my even my even my cousins, my cousins that are you know we're we're all the same age now. They're like, man, you really want to play soccer? That's what you want to do? I'm like, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm good at it. We, my brother and I, we're good at it. Um, but yeah, it was no, there was not much soccer going on. You know, my first, I remember my first, um, uh, memory of like, not even the game, but just of soccer in general mm-hmm. was, you know, back in the day, well, y'all might, cause I'm, I'm older than y'all, but back in the day, you know, you had the VHS, t- VHS tapes yeah. and it was like the hundred best goals or like the hundred right. best assists or like, you know, the, the highlights of the world cups and all, that's all I had. Because there was no actual t- games on TV back then. You know what I'm saying? So those are what I remember soccer as. So I just watched goals. I watched Pele's best goals. I watched the, uh, you know, Maradona, God bless his soul. I watched his, his his tapes. So that was like my first real memory of of, uh, of soccer. Well, it, it seemed to work out in your favor with all that practicing, all those watching of goals. Yeah, that's how I did. <laughs> yeah. You had the opportunity to go to Bradenton, Florida for the first ever residency camp. And this was a, a special group of players. When you look at this group and what they did professionally, uh, they really stand out. And, and I'm just curious, how would you explain the dynamic of what that was like to go down to Florida and live there and train there and um, be with these players like Landon and Gooch and Kyle Beckerman and Bobby Convey? What was that like? Yeah, yeah, man, we were we were excited. I remember sitting down. I think we we're in a. I think we we're in Italy in a tournament. And the idea of us, you know, going down to Bradenton, maybe going down to Bradenton and this whole, um, came here. What was the name of it? Uh, I can't remember the name of it, uh, what they called it, you know, what they called it, but, um, uh, project 2010, I think it was called, uh, something like that. Something project like 40, that. project 40. No, not project 40. That was MLS. Oh, okay. Project 2010. Cause you know, that was our group was supposed to be the one that won the world cup in 2010. That's uh, the whole okay. thing. But very I, official it was some, name. Yeah, no, it was something like that. Something like, they were on yeah. something a little bit. Like <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, but, uh, so yeah, I remember sitting down and, uh, I think we we're in Italy or France or something after a tournament and our coach, John Ellinger brought up the idea of us, you know, going to Bradenton, you know, we're going to be living together, going to school together, you know, what we thought. You know, in all of us, you know, we're, you know, 14, 15 year old kids, 16 year old kids. We're like, yeah, we, we ready. Let's go. Like, we're, we, where do we sign? We, we want to do it. Let's, you know, let's, let's make it happen. And so long story short, um, uh, we obviously had to get our, our parents, our parents, um, permission to do, to do that for us to go and live and play, train every day in, in another, in another state. And that's kind of how it all, how it all started. You know, that's how I, you know, I'd already known, you know, Gooch and Landon and Kyle and all those guys before, mm-hmm. but, uh, but that's kind of like where it all started when we first heard about us going down to Brainton and creating this U17 group. There has to be some good stories from that. Oh man, it's it's like you oh, gotta give us a little yeah, something. I mean, it's not many that I can Gooch, say. Some young Gooch, some young land and stuff. I know. <laughs> oh, I, know you, I know you give got us loads. one. Man, there's a. I mean, there's a. I mean, 
Everybody, to be honest, man, everybody's the same. Everybody, I mean, Gooch Fright, he did, he did a little more push-ups and sit-ups than everybody else. But, <laughs> I mean, everybody is the same. You know, Kyle, Kyle still, you know, he still Bex. Landon, you know, he's still Landon. Um, you know, we had a reunion not too long ago, and we got to meet up with everybody. Landon wasn't there, but um, uh, everybody else, you know, came and, and showed out. And, you know, we, we're still friends to this day, that whole 17s, that whole 17s group. But I'm trying to think of some stories. All right, I, I, I'll give you one. So one story, and I'll make it quick. So it was, it was like our last our last day at Bradenton. You know, we had, we had finished the World Cup. Um, we had came back, we were about to finish a year. Everybody's going back to their respective class or respective states and cities and blah, blah, blah. So we got the idea because, you know, on, in Brainton, you had to live on campus, right? Yeah. And you had to get permission to get off and had to, there's a whole process. You know, you had to, your parents had to send a fax and all this nonsense, right? So we had, we made up a plan. The whole team, right? The whole team, we're going to sneak off campus and go to this party. You know what I'm saying? So we literally, literally was talking. We knew where the cameras were. We knew exactly like uh, where we could jump. We had to like we had to jump over fences. We had to walk through a pond to get to this thing to get to this person's Did house. Alligators in it? Well, alligators in it, oh, and it no. was yo, it was dark. Yo, I'm telling you, oh, it was dark. But we all yo, and the reason why I say this, so we all did it as a team, right? We all did it except one person. One person was like, "Nah, I can't do it. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sneaking off campus." And his name was Alex G. And to this day, he gets the most stick out of everybody. <laughs> Because he didn't want to, he didn't, he didn't want to, he didn't want to join the fun and us sneaking off campus, you know what I'm saying? It was and a getting team that. Event. It was a team event, and I remember, and I remember at the uh, so obviously we got caught. I mean, at the end of it, we got caught. So, <laughs> uh, but John Ellinger, our coach, you know, he was the only thing he was pissed about was that Alex G didn't come with us. Shut up. Yeah, he was he was excited. He was he was so happy. He's like, oh man, I, this see this is what it is, this is what it's about teamwork and you know the the mentality you guys have staying together. But Alex. What the hell were you doing? Like, why did you want to go with the group? It was funny, but yeah, that right. was probably the that, that was probably the most PG story I could tell you. <laughs> I'm just imagining you guys showing up up at the party like with pond smelling pants. Oh yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah, pond, we're all like, we're dirty. Everyone's super yeah. excited you're there yeah. and you smell. I mean, like- we had yo, we had we had. Uh, I don't know if we had. Do we have walkie talkies? I think we had cell phones back then. So like a group of us would go, like five or six would go. And they'd be like, all right, it's clear, it's clear, it's clear. And then another five would go. And then another. So we had like, we had uh, yeah. stopping points, you know what I'm saying? How we got to this, how, oh man, it was crazy. You sure it you was, had uh, cell phones or was it pagers? I'm trying to think. I don't know. It wasn't pagers, yo. <laughs> I think we had, yo, I think we really had uh, walkie talkies. You got to ask Kyle. Right. Ask Bex. I'm sure he remembers So you, you touched on it briefly. The World Cup. This team went on to show the world that the Americans can play with a fourth place finish. You received the silver ball as the second best player in the tournament. So that means you're the second best player in the world. At I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't think of it like that. We're 16 uh, yeah, well, years old. You don't think Let, of let's, like let's call a spade a spade, okay? <laughs> you're the second best player in the world. But what, what's, what stood out to you about that experience in New Zealand? Our camaraderie, front hands down. Um, just how we, how we came together as a group. Um, and it wasn't without the fights and the arguments and – uh, any and all that stuff off the field. But when it was on the field, when it was, when it was time to play and time to, to go out and win a game, that's what we're about. We're all about winning. And that's what we got taught at a young age from John Unger, Peter Meller, Cam Rash, to some of our coaching staff. That's what it was about. You know, being a, in a professional environment and having a win, winning mentality to win at whatever cost. And we did that. You know what I'm saying? And for every and, and that's hard to do. We, we can all um, attest to this. Having a team and being a part of a team and having the same mentality, everyone on the same page as 
when to get to the bigger goal. Not individual accolades, not trying to be the best score or you want to, you know, make 10 step overs to, to show the crowd what you can do. It was about winning. It was about the team. And I think that was made that what made the group so special. I think that's why we're still friends to this day. We are we are we're on a chat. You know what I'm saying? We're in a chat together. We are, you know, just talking. Uh obviously now it's about family and kids and this kind of that kind of stuff. But we're still friends to this day. And I think, you know, from that experience, that's the most I got out of that was our camaraderie and how it was to be a part of a, a team that had the same mentality of a of the the bigger goal. Do you feel like that's the first time you had had that type of mentality for a unit or do you feel like that's the best you've ever experienced that having the same mentality, the same goal with, I mean, I know you played for a lot of teams and things get different, right? When it becomes right. a professional right. team, yeah. but I have the same feeling with the U20 group that I was with, like that team was just the best team. Like when you right. talk about how intertwined you were and how committed you were to the one goal do you feel like that's kind of that same feeling that you got and maybe the best team feeling you ever had in the sport yeah 100 percent um I, I don't know if it was I would say that was the first time that I felt that first you know, time, I, w- yeah. I don't I wouldn't say it was the it was a it's up there it's definitely yeah. up there it doesn't matter if you're you know professional well, we'll, we'll get you know, over later. yeah all that stuff but <laughs> as far as camaraderie and and like you said intertwined I like that word of the of the group and how we were together and mm-hmm. our mentality of how we wanted to you know win the world cup obviously uh that was you know my first taste of that you know being a part of a, a true team that really uh knew 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 what it what it took to win and it knew how to get there still being yourself and being individuals, but as a team coming together on the field and, and, and making it work, that was special. That was special. Of the, of the players you saw in that tournament, who was like, who were you like, wow, this guy has got it. He's, he's going to be playing champions league. He's going to be playing in world cups when you're playing against some of these, these top uh, under 17 players across the country. uh, You know, now you just show, you just making me show my age, man. I don't, I don't remember. Only one I really remember in that tournament was Essien, Michael Essien. Uh, from Ghana. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was. He was. A, he was a, a, man, a man amongst boys in that tournament. Um, <laughs> just yeah. A beast. Seriously. Yeah. You can just imagine how he was when he was with oh Chelsea and Ghana and World Cups. And back then, uh, he was amazing. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know how he didn't win one of the the, the golden balls. To be honest, um, he was. I remember back then he was a a, a, a beast. He was a really good for. Like I said, he he was above. Uh, everyone else. I'm talking about from the Brazil Brazilian team, our team, whatever. Uh, he was a really, really good player back then when he was 16, 17 years. So, old. what does that say about you if you got the silver ball? Then <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I must say, I don't know. I don't know what they were. I, I guess they just loved the the Americans because you know Landon got the first, I got the second. Um, but I didn't. I didn't. I, I was shocked to be honest. I'm not even gonna lie. I was shocked. I didn't think I was gonna you know win the the golden. I mean the the silver ball. I remember walking out of the watching the game. And we, we heard it on the speaker and it was like, you know, they're announcing all the awards and we're just walking back to the bus and about to, you know, back, go back to the hotel. And they announced the, you know, the winners of the, the third, the bronze, and then, you know, myself. And we were like, what? And I was like, what? <laughs> Me? I couldn't believe it. I, I really, I couldn't believe it. And then obviously after that, they said Landon's name. So, you know, it was, but it was all love because they were so happy for us. You know, our, my team, the teammates, they're, they're proud of us and happy for us. So that was, that was, a, that was a great feeling to be a part. Uh, or be with my my boys when when that got announced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, J- even if it was just over the loudspeaker. Sorry. Yeah, it was just over the loudspeaker. <laughs> you know, so I wouldn't. Uh, we weren't expecting that at all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
So after that tournament, you signed your first professional deal joining MLS um, with LA Galaxy, but you never played for the Galaxy. Instead, you moved to Chicago Fire, and with that Fire team, you were training and playing with some of the best players in early MLS. Uh, Can you talk about those players that you got to play with and maybe how they were an influence to you at that age and how they helped you transition to become a professional? Yeah, man, I you couldn't I couldn't have asked for a better team, a better situation, uh, a better coaching staff, and a better group of men to to kind of guide me in my first professional experience. I mean, at one point we had Charlie. You know all these people. At one point we had nine, eight or nine players from the from the Chicago Fire team on a national team. It was crazy. So to be a part of that, and then you sprinkle that in with the Stoichkov, Louis, uh, Lubos Kubik, uh, Peter Novak, you know, Dima, Diego Gutierrez. I mean, you can go down the list of our team and how, how good we were. And it wasn't just about, you know, them, um, uh, how they were, you know, playing wise, you know, how much, how much, how much, um, uh, skill and all that stuff they had. It was more so about the, the winning mentality that was throughout that club. From the president, the ownership, all the way down to our equipment man. That's how it was. To be a part of those Chicago teams, and people will tell you, to be a part of those Chicago teams back in the 2000s, it was it was unreal because you had to perform every day. Rob Bradley was our coach. I mean, you had a, you had a guy that won the the, the freaking European Golden the Ballon d'Or on your team. You know what I'm saying? And if you didn't perform, you don't play. You right. know, I, I remember I remember the story. Uh, when I was when I was my rookie year, and Wolfie was um, was still you know he was still young and, and still coming up, and at, you know he hadn't been scoring for like maybe three or four games, but you know it's Josh Wolf, you know he's got to start right because he's a big name, he's with the national team, he's got to start. And I remember asking him like, man, aren't you? Uh, this is like my first my first test of like how it is like real in real professional mm-hmm. environments, and I'm like, aren't you like mad at you know you're not you're not starting anymore? And he's like, well yeah, and I'm like, well you're not gonna say anything. He's like, well but I get it. Like I'm not scoring. Like it's next man up. And I'm like, Oh wow. So I'm like, just because you're Josh Wolf, it don't matter if you're not, if you're not, if you're not scoring after three or four games, you're out. It's a wrap. Mm-hmm. And that's what the big teams did. And that's what, but that's how we were though. That's how, and that's how good our team was, you know? And that was like my first, I'll never forget that story, but that's like my first taste of what it is and not just have a name. It was, you got to put in the work. You got to put yeah. the ball in the net. Charlie, you a, you a goal scorer. So you know that if you're not scoring goals, your numbers, you're, 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 yeah, it's a wrap change. You know, you got somebody else got to go in and try to and try to and try to get it done. So, uh, but yeah, being a part of that group was was special. Yeah, and I know you you left a, a crazy impression in the city of Chicago because I've been out with you <laughs> in that city, and there's not a person who doesn't know who you are. Um, Man, I was I was underage, so I wasn't doing those type of things when uh, I was in Chicago. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. Um, <laughs> let, let, let's get into uh, your U.S. men's national team career because cool. obviously you're one of the goats, and um, you know you're the only U.S. men's national team player. And I have to repeat that because some, maybe some people don't don't really truly understand it. You're the only U.S. men's national team player to appear in four World Cups and have amassed 126 caps and 17 goals. You were one of my heroes, bees, and, and I don't know if I've told you enough. Um, I always I don't think you've ever told me. Can you say I, I, I you say you. it one more time? Need to repeat well, it again. Yeah, one more, one more time. He just wants me to do it. <laughs> so yeah, everyone understands. You, you were one of my heroes. Um, you know, it was like, you know, you had these attacking players who, who 
you know, were black players who I could identify with. So it was Kobe Jones at first. And then you were that next line that like pushed me and saying, okay, now I want to play with bees one day, you know? Yeah. And so your energy you brought to the game was incredible. And so I always looked up to you. You got your first cap against China. I did mine just a couple of years after you, but can you tell us about your experience getting that first cap? Cause we love to hear these first cap stories. So what was it like for you? Did you know it was coming and, and who, did, who was like there to kind of like help you along the way? Like you and yeah. Gooch helped me. Right. I mean, to be honest, I, I didn't know. I didn't know when it was coming because I had, and a lot of people don't know this, but before I got my first cap, I was getting called into camps, but I wasn't making a roster. You know what I'm saying? Cause back then, you know, you would bring in like, you know, 20 odd, 30 players and then it'll get, you know, um, pressed down to like the 18 man roster. Now you can think you can have what, 23 players on a roster or in a game or something like that for a friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then you couldn't, you know, so uh, I wasn't, I was training with the national team, you know what I'm saying? But I wasn't playing. And uh, so I was, you know, kind of, you know, Brood brought me in, kind of getting my feet wet and, you know, and I thought, you know, back then I'm a, you know, 16, 17 year old, 17 year old kid. I was like, I mean, I just, I want to play. I'm training well. I want to give me, let me play, you know, but I just kept like, I mean, I think it was like three camps. It took me to actually get my first cap with the, with the national team. So it, it was tough, man. And, you know, the, you know, and, to, and before I get into that, the one thing I think that we don't do, and I can say I'm part of media now because I have a podcast and I was on CBS for a little bit, you know, is that we don't talk about our history enough of, of in, in soccer, you know, on the women's side or the men's side, you know, I think it's, it's something that these kids need to know how they got to where they are now. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the stepping stones that we had to go through and before us and before them and before them to really, you know, understand where or what soccer was back then or U S soccer back then and what it is, you know, today, you know what I'm saying? I think that we forget to, cause I mean, to be honest, you look at, you know, myself and my age group, you know, Charlie, you kind of with me a little bit, but we're getting forgotten. You know, at this age, we're getting forgotten. People, you ask, if you ask a kid that's maybe 10 years old, who is Brian McBride? Who is Claudia Reyna? They'd be like, don't know who that is. Yeah. Those are some of the most influential soccer players in the history of our game in this country and in, and in world soccer too. You know what I'm saying? You go anywhere else and you say Claudio Claudio Reyna's name, you say Frito, you say Timmy Howard, you say all these guys that's, that has been Kobe Jones and, you know, Ernie and all these guys. You you say their names and you're, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember him. I remember that guy. But I think in this country, we don't do that enough. I don't think we we promote our yeah. history and our, our players um, back then that, uh, that we should do, you know, now. Yeah. I, that's, that's, that's just my opinion. No, I love that you said that. And also, I think it's really important that you said that you went into camps for a while before you even got your first cap. That yeah. I think that when you even do, Char- Charlie's intro to you doesn't do what you've done to this game justice, Bees. But the, at the same time, like it wasn't just like you showed up and all these things happened, right? Right, right? And I think that that is important to also recognize as well. So, but take us into that day. So you get the, you make the roster. And you're on the they're on the game day roster, and then when did you find out you were making making the starting eleven, or when you when you got to go in, and what was that feeling like making your first appearance? Yeah, I mean, and to be, I actually knew I was going to start that game like a week before. Uh, he told, yeah, he Whoa. told me, yeah, <laughs> he told. I remember Bruce told me, um, he called me and he said, "You're starting against China," and I was like, "Oh, for real?" I was like, so before I even got into camp. He let me know I was going to start that game. 
So I was I was nervous. I was nervous getting on the plane. <laughs> getting on the plane. I was like, oh man, this is this is it. This is it. my time. This is it. I put couldn't believe it. On. Yeah, I put my yeah, I put my, I put my Walkman on, you know, with the C D player. <laughs> with the C D player. Uh, I had my do-rag on, you know what I'm saying? So I was I was ready to I was ready to go. But yeah, I was nervous. My first my first cap, uh, being in Oakland, man, I was I was nervous, excited. Um, I thought I was ready. You know, I definitely thought I was ready to 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 take that jump, that step with the national team. And I and I had help. You know, Landon was a guy that had already done it, you know, and so I was kinda uh behind him and really he was really showing me kind of how, how it all worked. You know, we were roommates, you know, um obviously throughout that whole, you know, two thousand, two thousand three, four ish, you know, uh era, you know, Landon and I were roommate uh, roommates. And so him I think for I think him being the first one at a young age to really break through the national team and, and play well, score goals, and be a starter, kind of eased my progression into that into that stage. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't like he, he was a couple of years ahead of you. It was only a you know it was a short time. Because, yeah, it was just it was yeah it was a short yeah. time. But still, you know, he had already done it. We've been in camp, but he, like I said, like I hadn't like you know even we we'd always talk about like the good things about a person or an athlete or whatever but you never actually talk about what it took to get there. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like people just think that that was my first, my first camp. I got to the national team. I started, but it wasn't like that. It took steps for me to kind of get to that, you know, and I, and I could have, you know, even as a, even as a kid, and I think that with, with the, the group with the U 17s, that kind of helped me men, mental, mental wise, mentally wise to say, be strong, be like, okay, look, I know I'm gonna get my chance to be confident in yourself mm-hmm. because I mean, yeah. Okay. At the end of the day, if you're not making it right, you're going to be upset. You're going to be disappointed. It doesn't matter how old you are. You know, if you're, you want to play, that's, you know, as a kid, when we were 16, 17, 18, yeah. you guys remember that. All you want to do is play. Yeah. It doesn't matter what level. You can be outside playing with your, your homies, your friends on the street. If you got to play a professional game, you got to play college, you want to play. Mm-hmm. So I was disappointed. You know what I'm saying? So it took me, you know, thinking, you know, obviously talking to, to Bob when I got back and, you know, he said, just stay positive, stay positive, stay confident, play well here. You're going to get your chance. And, and yeah. that's what I did. But we never talk about what it took to get there when we get to that point of, you know, of success, I guess you say. And uh, but, yeah, it took me a while before I got my first cap. Well, a year later, you scored your first goal and it came in dramatic fashion in the opening <laughs> match of the 2002 Gold Cup for South Korea. Let's hear it. How, how, how did it go down? What were you what were you thinking when you saw it hit the back of the net? Uh, how, how did the, the teammates react in the, in the locker room? Man, Charlie, you know, when you hit a ball so so smooth, so purely off your off the the laces of your shoe, off your boot, you know it's going in. You know it's going in. And that and that's what I felt. I mean, it it I hit it cleanly. I uh, hit it with all. I was only about 110 pounds back then, soaking wet. You know what I'm saying? So I had I hit it with every ounce of pounds <laughs> that I had. Technique. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, because there was no there was no power behind it. Trust me. Um, yeah, so it was it was a great ball by uh, by Jeff uh, Cunningham. Uh, he, he put me in, um, and yeah, man, it was a great feeling. And we won the game, you know. But that was my that was kind of like my coming out, right. you know, me scoring. Yeah, I mean, I had played some games and I didn't really have, you know, great games. You know, I played, I had a couple of good moments in games when I, when I first started, but that was when I really uh, said, okay, you know, I can, I can do this. I can be here. I, I can, I'm a part of this group now, you know, when I scored my first goal and it, and it felt great to do that um, in the, in the goal cup. Yeah. In May 2002 at 19, you were selected as the youngest member of the USA's world cup roster. Before we get into any of what happened on the field, we got to talk about the photo shoot. 
Oh I, man, can we not bring took that? Took a part of. We, yeah, we need to. Oh, I man. need to know. Why we got? Do we still gotta address this? Yeah, I've addressed this like a hundred times. Well, <laughs> just like we, we just need to know the memories. Like, what what do you think about when you when those pictures just pop into your head? You know what? You know we should, we should have Michael Cameron on this call right now on this podcast. We need Michael Cameron because he is the one that set all this up. We, he is the one that's we at should. fault. We should. We should actually just have one he, podcast with him talking with all the players that were a part of it to really yeah. get the insight. I don't know, and you know the funny thing is. In my picture, which I think mine was okay, I, mine wasn't the worst out of the other ones. That you know, I had Charlie. Listen to this: I had on pink, pink velvet pants. <laughs> like you, you rocking J Lo's juicy. Yo, I literally, pants. yes, I literally walked out of the of the um, of the closet when they told me, okay, you know, put this on. I walked out with pink velvet pants. Pinky. And I, What'd pink. You I, and I, to, I told him not to put that in the in the, on the in the magazine. I said I'll wear them, but y'all not taking a picture of them. Zero chance. You, you know it's supposed to be fashion. What? Yeah, I got him. I still got him. I gave him to my daughter. Actually, no, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, I don't know. I had no idea what we were doing. That photo shoot was. That is the that, that, that haunts me. Yeah, it still haunts me. It still haunts me. Hey, Every you, time somebody you look, brings you look it up. Good with the poses. Yeah, I mean, cool. mine was decent. Yeah. Mine was decent. But you I go into. It gets re-brought up because of Christian Pulisic's new photo. It's kind oh, of yeah, like a, yeah. a, a, a tinge. A little bit of that. For sure, yeah. a tinge of it. So yeah, it's just a, hint, a little bit of that. Homage to you guys. But yeah, I have no idea what we're thinking about in that photo shoot. I have no idea. I, Get me I, out I, is what you're yeah, thinking. I couldn't Get even, me out. I couldn't even tell you. I don't know who thought that was a good idea. I don't know who brought it to the, to the table. And I don't know how they got all of us to actually agree <laughs> to take pictures like that. I don't know. And, and that 2002... World Cup is probably my favorite as a whole that I've watched. I, I mean, I mean, I, I look at some of the World Cups. '94 is the first one I watched. '98, great. You know, you have Ronaldo versus Zidane, and but 2002 that was special, largely because uh, of your performance, your squad's performance. When you look back at that, were you were you shocked at how well you did? I mean, you, you took out Portugal, and you're, you know you're you're advancing in the group, and you're beating Mexico, uh, like. Can you describe the quality of the group? Because, like you said, you touched on the the history of the game. What what was that like being in that environment? Ah, uh, man, it was it was it's it's kind of undescribable in, in a ways because um, I was a young obviously I was a, the youngest on the team and um, learning from you know the Eddie Popes and the um, you know, um, the Fritos and, and Reynas and all those guys that, and Ernie Stewart was, was, a, was a big help as well. Um, just learning from those guys and really understanding what it is to be a part of a national team, you know? Um, and I thought that with Bruce and how he coached, he always coached us to win the game. Always. That was our mentality was to win. It didn't matter if we played three, it didn't matter formations. It didn't matter how we did it. If it was ugly, play, it didn't matter. Obviously, yeah, we want to play well. You want to do it, but it was about winning the game. And we always didn't matter who we played. It always was uh, about how we can uh, enforce our our strengths against them. You know, and I think we we had the confidence that we could we could we could we could really do something special in that in that world. Because we, we had nothing to lose. You know, ninety. I mean, everyone knows ninety eight wasn't great, so no one was looking for the United States to to do anything. You know, they it was kind of a forgotten thought that you know, the men's team would actually do well after the 98 showing. So there was that pressure of that was off, 
you know, that was that was off. And just being part of that group and after winning that first game against Portugal, um, we the, the the you know, obviously you can, you know, attest to the the confidence was through the roof. I mean, we thought we was gonna win the World Cup after that. <laughs> well, well you, you gave everyone confidence that yeah. we could eventually win the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, it really was, it was like that. We felt that, you know, from in the group. We felt that from the fans back at, at home. You know what I'm saying? We felt that from our families that were in Korea. Uh, but, yeah, man, it was, it was a great a great time, and I was happy to be a part of it. Could you describe just – you talked about the mentality and how Bruce Arena coached you guys, but can you talk about the quality of this group and some of the um, players that you got to play with and how that sticks out to you as a part of this World Cup squad? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll say one name, John O'Brien. Man, what a player he was. Yeah. <laughs> We've been wanting to get him on the podcast. Yeah, we, we, yeah. we, got, we got lucky he got, he's on my pod, He's on our podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, well, hook us yeah, up. I, hook us yeah, up. Yeah, I'll Would hook you up. I can hook you okay. up with the number. Yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> nah, but um, yeah, man, he was he was he was he was a head not head and shoulders because him and Claudio, I think, were about you know saying what technical technical wise and you know playing and the mindset of how they played. But John O'Brien was special. Man, I, I wish I still to this day I wish that he didn't get as many injuries as he did, and he and he lived up to his full potential because the man could play anywhere on the field, and he never never looked like he was stressed. He just he just played, and the way this technique, right foot, left foot, you get you give him the ball when there was two or three men around him, and he could find a pass. He'll find a way to dribble out of it. I mean, he was he was uh, like he was he was quick, but he was slow. Like he made the game slow down to his pace. You know what I'm saying? Like he wasn't gonna beat you and then run past you like Charlie did. You know, it was more like he had. He would beat you and then wait till you to come back and then he'd beat you again and then he'll make the pass. He was like that. That was that was Johnny O. His footwork was to on another level. Could you could level. you compare him to another player? Like if had he had he not been injured so often and fulfilled his potential, is there a player that you oh, think ah oh, he's similar? Is he like a Raquel May? Is he like an Iniesta? Is he you know what what's his? I would say to be honest, I mean because I, I mean I can't think um, off the top of my head, but those two names in the in the in the middle of those two. In the middle of those two, because you look at Raquel May and like he didn't have this, you know, the getaway speed, you know, that, you know, he was skillful. He could beat a man one on one, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, the, in between uh, Iniesta and uh, Raquel, I like that shout. I like the Raquel May shout. I like that. He was one of my favorite players growing up, too. So, but yeah, it was, he was, John O'Brien was, he was, he was nasty. I like to say that. He was nasty. Mm-hmm. He was unbelievable. In training, you could, you could, he, could, he never lost the ball. Never lost the ball. I mean, like you giving the it's ball. Like your first pick. Yeah, first pick every single time. <laughs> right foot, left foot. He was strong. He could get get into a tackle because you know you played in Europe, played at Ajax, so you know that's not a that's not an easy uh, club to play at. You know what I'm saying? So like he grew up in that system, and you know the way he played, he was small in, in stature, but he was strong. And man, he was that was probably that was my favorite player with the national team for sure. Was John O'Brien? Was Johnny O? Well, we mentioned bees that that was your first of four World Cups, so you you had a lot of experiences there. Um, and we're gonna kind of roll through these next ones, but I want to get into something that it's not a World Cup, but it is something that I think means a lot to both you and Charlie is that Confederations Cup back in two thousand nine. Uh, I've heard Charlie talk about it before. This was a special team, a special group. What did that group mean to you, and how does it rank amongst some of the teams that you got to play with in your time with the men's national team? Yeah, that that group was uh, it was high. It was really, really high as far as um, the the team camaraderie and um, I mean, because we literally 
and Charlie, you know this. We we did everything on the field and off the field. <laughs> I mean, everything. You know, we we had a really close knit group, and I think you know sometimes with with even with national teams and club teams, you know, you you kind of forget that other part. You always want to be on the field. You want to win. You want to you know train hard and snap. But there's a whole other component to that. You know, to you know having that the same mentality and, and camaraderie that we talk about, and that was the off the field part. You know, what I'm saying I thought we were all friends to an extent, but when it got you know, on the field and it was some kind of arguments or, or pushing and shoving, we left it on the field and it made us compete. We all, we all, we all competitive. We all wanted to win. And I just think all that and our confidence as a group with, um, with Bob, you know, leading our, our group, I think that was, you know, like, like Charlie said earlier, that was a, the epitome of, of, uh, of teamwork and a team that was really, really together. And, and it showed, I mean, it showed, you know, and I, I mean, personally, I didn't have the best tournament. But I remember that some of the older, some of the older guys were like, "Bees, don't worry about it. You know, just stick with it. Be what you can for the team." And and that's what I did. You know, I mean, I, I didn't, I did. And I didn't say like that's what it was about. Like, it wasn't just about you know me. And I'm speaking about myself personally, but it wasn't me like just you know being down on myself. Like, okay, you know, forget this. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. You know, like I was, I was hyped. I was happy. I was the biggest cheerleader on the field because I wanted to. I wanted our team to be successful. And that's what it takes. You know. If guys aren't playing or guys aren't uh, in favor at the moment, you know, what are you doing to still help your team to get to where you need to be? You need everyone. You need the whole 23 players, not not just the guys that play. You need everybody. And I think in 2009, and Charles, you can, you know, you can add if you want, but I think that's what we had. No, I, I 100% agree with you. You were an example. You were a role model. And what kind of lesson did you teach us younger guys? You know, I was a player who, Came in the first came in the first game against Italy off the bench had a one big moment off a corner sky it because I I let like the moment get too big for me you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at Gigi Buffon I'm like I'm gonna score on Buffon and I sky yeah. it. I'm like I don't play at all in the next game and I'm like you know kind of disappointed I'm like I lost my chance I'm not gonna play again but I thought look at Bees he's out there giving 100 percent every single time no matter what how can I feel sorry for myself or not give a hundred percent. So the next training, I remember I gave it my all. I think I, that was the best training of my life. Yeah. The next thing I know I get, I get to start against Egypt and, and I never look back. But right. I always remember you, you, you never showed that you weren't happy or didn't want to be a part of the program, no matter what. And so for all of us, we were like, that, that's a leader. You are a leader. That's an example. And so, um, yeah, yeah you know, and I don't want to, and I want to cut you off, but that's, that was, that was me. You know, I, and I'm still the same because I'm not a talker. I'm not a big talker. I was never a big talker. Even when I was captain of, t of teams, I'm not a huge yeller. And say, oh, nah, I'm, not. I'm not a rah-rah type, you know, type guy. You know, I always lead by action, you know. And for me, it was, you know, things I just, Charlie just said, you know, my training session. I knew, I, of course, but I just, was I disappointed? 100%. Did I want to play? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to play against some of the best teams in the, some of the best teams in the world? But it wasn't it wasn't my day. I understood why. You know, I made a mistake against Brazil. I get it. You know, was I disappointed? I didn't get I didn't get a chance to play again. Of course. But what am I going to do to help my team win? Whether that's training sessions, whether that's helping in in the gym, which I didn't really do much because I, I didn't like being <laughs> in the gym. But whatever, but whatever it was, that's what I wanted to do because I was a part of a team, not just it's not an individual sport. So you went Can on I to play. Oh. oh, I was going to say. Well, you went on to play three World Cups, right, from 2002. What was your favorite moment? Because I'm not sure what, what was the moment for you. What did you enjoy? What stands out throughout those World Cups? Because 
I mean, like you said, you're not like this rah-rah guy and you keep everything internal. I want to know, pull out those some of those moments that were <laughs> that was best for you. Uh, well, I, I mean, obviously the, the biggest one was my first game against Portugal. Uh, the I remember going in, in the tunnel and looking to my right and there was, you know, Figo, Rui Costa. I mean, you see him on TV. You see him in the, the highlight. I mean, in the the uh, the video room before you got to play. But, you know, being like next to them, Conce Chao, you know, coach of uh, Porto, I think, you know, being next to those guys and actually thinking this is a World Cup. I'm 20 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like I made a team in 19 and I'm, I turned 20 on the plane. And to to actually take one second and actually just think about where I'm at and how I, how far I've came to actually be in this that moment, that was amazing. You know, so I'll never forget the the feeling I had of uh, the first time walking out in in Korea um, uh, against Portugal the first the first time. That was that was something. That's probably my most special moment. Has to be. You know, um, I can't think of, I mean, obviously other things are special. Some of the games we won, obviously Landon's goal, being on the field for that. Um, some of the other games in, in 2014 were, were amazing. Um, so those were some special, but my first is Portugal for sure. I'm still thinking about you. Actually, did you actually turn 20 on the plane? There? Yeah, I turned 20 on the plane, <laughs> literally. Yeah, I remember we had, yeah. That's uh, amazing. Did yeah, everyone they like, sing to you on the I, speaker? I think everybody was asleep. <laughs> yeah, because it was it was a long flight. It was probably about you know twenty some hours. So yeah, I turned twenty on the plane to Korea. Oh my gosh, that yeah. is wild. That was crazy. Bees, we could talk to you about your playing career because we didn't even we didn't even really tap into your club playing career, which yeah, you played in numerous <laughs> countries, and I think that that is such an interesting story too. But I want to talk about that transition, and that has been something all of us have gone through, and something every soccer player will go through is. How do you know when it's time? How do you transition from being a player to now everything you work for, you have to switch and do something different. What was yeah. that like for you to make that transition? Um, I think it was, it's hard. I ain't gonna lie. It's hard. You know what I'm saying? Cause you know, at first year, like you said, you're a player, you do what you, what you love to do for so many years. And now you got to do something totally different, you know, whatever that is, cause you can't be a player no more. So yeah, it was difficult. Uh, and it still is, it still is difficult, but I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I think one thing for me is is that I got to retire on my own merit. And it wasn't because of an injury. You know, I know people aren't as lucky as, as, as I am. So, you know, um, I, I, people always say, you know, how do you know when you retire? And, you know, most of the answer is you just know. And for me, I just knew. You know, I, I was, you know, mentally, you know, I feel like I couldn't give any more, you know, to, to my team, to the game. Um, and I didn't want to cheat the game. I didn't want to cheat myself. I didn't want to cheat my, you know, Houston the team I was with, you know. So uh, I think that's I, I when I knew it was time. You know, I mm -hmm. still love the game. I still play. I actually, I played. I played yesterday <laughs> in a pick, in a pickup game. How many goals so did I, you score? He doesn't six. age. I scored six actually. So I still I still play. You know, I still I still play. Um, but yeah, um, it's not it's not it's not an easy transition. Um, yeah. But it's a fun one. I'm in, I'm enjoying it. I'm really excited for the. The, the next journey, uh, the next page, and really trying to get something that I'm passionate about uh, like I was as a player. You, you said it. Charlie, real quick, yeah. can you imagine being the other team and Bees walks up and you're about <laughs> to play against Demarcus Beasley no. on this pickup game? You're like, oh, hey, and I'm, and I'm going to tell you, I start off, you know, just, you know, a little bit light and don't just kind of, you know, make some passes. But 
when we when my team starts losing, uh, that's a wrap. I can't lose. I turn it on. I can't. Hey, Charlie. I, hey, Sorry, man. I, I can't. In the back. Yeah, I can't lose. Yeah, I start in the back. I just you know take the ball, I play out this and that. But when we start kind of losing a little bit, dog, I go up top yeah. and I just, <laughs> just start. I can't lose. Yeah, that's, that competitiveness is still in me. Mm-hmm. I can't. You, you, I can't. You, you said it's not an easy transition uh, when you're done playing. Well, what what kind of transition is it when you're a black player? And, and I, I've Oof. been saying this for a long time that a number of black players who have had very successful U.S. men's national team careers have not been given opportunities. And, you know, just to name a few, Kobe Jones, Eddie Pope, Tony Sane, your, yourself, um, and Aguchi Anyebu, right? You, you see other people, your peers, um, who kind of walk in to sporting director roles or technical director roles or head coaching roles with no prior experience. Right. Yet, uh, for a number of black players, it's, ah, you, you just don't have enough experience as a coach. That's what it is. Right? Yeah. So. What's your take on that, and how do we change it? Oh man, we 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 definitely need another show for this. Um, it's 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 disappointing. Um, it's something that one hundred percent needs to change, and uh, we're trying to affect that change. You know, myself, um, a group, and a lot of different um, black men and women uh, trying to affect change and trying to you know create opportunities and representation in those higher, uh, higher roles, uh, in, in a club, whether that's U S soccer, whether that's an MLS, but, but man, it's, it's tough to see, you know, uh, other, other people get those roles, uh, without any prior experience. And, and the, the, the answer is always, Oh, you don't have enough experience. Oh, you didn't, you didn't go to and get your degree or something like that. You know, um, it's always something, it's always an excuse. You know, and, and I'm I'm and I'm just I'm just gonna speak from myself personally. Like when I when I got out the game a year and a couple months ago, I didn't get callbacks. I barely I mean, these are people that I played with and that that some of my coaches didn't get a callback. Uh I didn't get uh any kind of um uh, feedback of, okay, yes, you know, we you know, we wanna hear more about what you have to say. No, nothing. I mean it was crickets. I mean, literally crickets. Like I was reaching out. You, you know me. I'm not a. I'm not a guy that's gonna boast about my yeah. career and what I did and this and that. Like that's not me. I'm not. That's not how I was raised, and that's not how I how I move. And um, like I couldn't even get a. Okay, bees. We're not even. We're not. We're not interested at this point. But maybe down the road. Like I mean, I wouldn't even get callbacks. You know what I'm saying? And it's disappointing that you see every almost every year that somebody is. And if you want to just talk about. You know what I'm saying? Like what they did on the field as far as like a player. Those names you just named, those players you just named are above and beyond some of the other players that have these positions right now. Right. And that's the truth. That's a fact. It's not something that we're making up. It is a fact. And the fact that none of those people on your, on that you just named are in those type of roles and want to be in those roles, it's, it's something that needs to change. It's something that um, we're going to try to help change that, you know? And I think that, uh, if people just actually listen and understand and acknowledge that there is a problem, then we can we can um, we can change that that narrative. But if not, then it's gonna it's gonna keep happening over and over and over again. But yeah, it's definitely one hundred percent disappointing. One of the things that you have been doing is you're a part of an ownership group. Can you show us? You're wearing. I think you're wearing your sweatshirt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fort Wayne FC. 
Yeah. <laughs> You're bringing there a you professional go. team to yeah. your home city of Fort Wayne, Indiana in the, in the USL. So what's that experience been like? How gratifying is it to bring something that means so much to you to the place that probably is filled with all these memories of how soccer got started for you? Yeah, it's great. Um, it's, it's something that, uh, to be honest, I never thought I, it would, this, this would happen. You know, I mean, growing up in the the 80s, I can say the 80s, growing up in the 80s, I never thought that, you know, soccer, there would be a professional team in Fort Wayne. It, never. I mean, you look at, you know, the the landscape of how it was soccer, you know, back back then in, in a lot of different cities, not just Fort Wayne. But man, but to have this opportunity in my hometown um, uh, with my family, you know, friends and people that I grew up with is truly... Uh, uh, I can't even put it into words because it's for one, it's the city that I grew up in, but it's the second, you know, this is what I love to do It's the game of the game of football. Soccer is, is what I love. This is what I know. And to be able to be a part of that, with that ownership group to bring a team and to bring a club and do it the right way, uh, hopefully um, is, is something really, really special and something that's hard to describe, but I'm, I'm really excited about the new, the new challenge. I'm excited about the opportunity that, that, uh, that's in front of me. And, and I'm just excited to get started. I'm we're both excited for you. Plus you get yeah. that. Now you get that experience, right? Yeah. That's what you want. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it all takes is just experience. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what it was. And I never, I never asked to, or I never said I knew more than what, um, anybody else in the room. I say, I want to, I want to learn. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that's what I do. I want to learn. Are you hot right now with a hat? I feel like no, I'm good. You covered something good. up Houston, or you just, though, man, you? you're not, uh, yeah. you kind of look like you got a yeah. sweatshirt you don't, and a hat on. You don't want to see what's going on under here. No, it's, I know, but you must be yeah. super hot. I think you feel the heat right now. No, I got the air on. Uh, okay. Cool. Well, that's a good thing because <laughs> yeah. welcome to the hot seat. Mr. Beasley. Woo-hoo. Wait, this wasn't on the th- this wasn't on the question sheet. Yeah. This wasn't, this- oh. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah, surprise. This wasn't on the question sheet. Yeah, here you go. So you don't have no prep. This is rapid <laughs> fire. Give me what comes to mind. All right, All right. go on then. Go on the then. Best, the best stadium you ever played in. Best stadium? Ooh. As far as like, just best stadium? Yeah. yeah. Best stadium. Your favorite. Favorite. Uh, San Ciro. Mm. Italy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, I had to take a second and think about playing there, and now I'm lost. That's probably my, one of my, yeah, my wow. favorite players uh, playing away. That was amazing. Yeah. Uh, what is one thing that you still have from your childhood? Ooh, I, you know what? I, I, I still have it downstairs. It, it, y'all, y'all remember Pound Puppies? Yeah. What? Tra- I do. Wow, Charlie, come on now. Pound Puppies? Pound. Pound Puppies. Pound Puppies, no. No, it's like it's a it's a it's a stuffed animal basically, but it was a you know it was a stuffed animal. But I still have that because my my mom and my dad didn't want a dog, but I wanted a dog when I was young. So they bought me, <laughs> so they bought me a pound puppy. I'm serious. They bought me a pound puppy, a, a stuffed animal, stuffed you know dog, and his name is Benji. You, oh take, you take Benji for walks? Say, He's oh, downstairs. Look. Benji is downstairs right now. He went now. to the pickup game with him. Yeah. <laughs> so I, that's probably the thing I have the most and the most special to me is, is Benji. Awesome. I still yeah. have it. I still got Fa- it. Favorite goal you've scored during your career? Oh, man. Favorite goal? I would probably... I think probably... I know what it is, by the way, but go ahead. No, you go first. No, no. This, this is your rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite goal, I would probably say... My my first Champions League goal. Oof. That's what I say against um, 
Uh, Give us some details. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a pass from Philip Koku. Um, the, the legendary Dutch, Dutch defender, Barcelona, you know, midfield or whatever. He's, he's a legend. And, um, uh, this is my, well, first official, uh, Champions League game, uh, is a group stage and we were playing, uh, the team from Norway. I can't remember. What's the name? I can't remember the name of the team. Doesn't matter. But I was playing against Robbie Russell, the other American. Rosenberg. Rosenberg. There you go. I can't see. I'm, I'm forgetting, forgetting stuff. Really? Let me remember. And, uh, anyway, long ball, about a, literally a 60 yard ball. He plays it over. I was playing uh, left wing. Koku uh, plays it all the way over. I take it down my right, uh, my left foot. I push it to my right, beat the keeper, and then I, I put it in. Uh, and that was my first Champions League goal. And it was in front of fans. How'd you, you know celebrate? So <laughs> yeah. I, 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 didn't know, I didn't know how to celebrate. I went to the corner. Yeah, that's what I did. I went to the corner flag and just started yelling. Because <laughs> you know you score, you're so hyped. You don't know what to do sometimes, uh, you know what I'm saying? So, so that was that was my first, my yeah. favorite goal probably. First vacation spot you're gonna hit once you can go post COVID. Ooh. I would probably say somewhere in Italy. I'm a big I'm a big mm. uh wine kind of source. So I wanna go to see some of the Charlie will go with you. Yeah, yeah, see there you go. I wanna go see some yeah. of the vineyards. Not in not in California and Oregon, no, Washington. Italy. I wanna go to Italy. Make Italy call and Pirlo. France. Make a call to Pirlo. We'll, yeah, there we'll you go. go. We'll go You call it. you you know more than I don't know Pirlo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you taught me something very important throughout my career. I got to bring it up. It's it's the power of connecting with people. And oh yeah, you, you know you're you're this the master, uh, you know, super connector. You link up everybody. So I always took advantage of of learning from you and you know making sure I'm making those relationships. So yeah, that's what, what are you is. most proud of when you look back at your career? Um, most proud. I would probably say it is not, it is, you know, to be honest, it's not even about myself. It's about myself and my brother. The The most proud I've been is for us playing in Chicago on the fire. And my favorite jersey is my D Beasley and his is Jay Beasley. So to be able to play on the field and give, I gave him assist once, to, but to play on the field with my big brother, something that we always dreamed about mm-hmm. since we were kids you know what I'm saying? Like to be and play in front of our parents, you know what I'm saying? To have that opportunity to do that and play with your big brother on the same field in a professional team, that was by far 100% my, my proudest moment. And I remember the day that Bob, after training, one day after training, he, he, he uh, brought me in um, and he said, Bees, what do you think about uh, your brother? And I'm like, he's cool. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 no. But what do you think about, you know, him playing for Chicago? I was like, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll call him right now. Ready, done. Let's go. Let's get it done. And oh then a week later, they got the deal done. And my brother came to Chicago. So for me, that's my proudest moment. It was my brother, and that's my favorite jersey, hands down, that's all the time. Cool. How about Charlie's jersey in the background? Hold it up, Charlie. Why don't you have mine? Oh, oh there we go. Okay, see, <laughs> that's my dog. That's my dog. Hey, this- yeah. I, I, I'm not kidding. When we traded jerseys after the match, yeah, I, I thought, remember. Like. I thought back to my myself as a kid being like watching you on TV. I, I'll never forget. I think you scored against Jamaica. And um, did you score against Jamaica? I did. Sure yeah. yeah. And I was yeah. like, man, one day I just want to play with bees. <laughs> and then next thing I know, now we're a national team, but we're also playing against each other in club. And I was like, yeah. this is that moment. So special, special. Yeah, no, me. hey, all, all love. You know it. All uh, love, man. What's your favorite? What's your favorite song of all time? <laughs> my favorite song. Oh man. Um I don't know. 
Favorite song of all time. How about favorite song right now? Favorite song right now. I mean, I don't. I don't. Artist. Favorite artist. Favorite artist is Nas. Okay. Okay. Favorite artist is Nas. I'll take that. Which player? Um, which player was most important to your success professionally? Which player? Hmm. Um. I would say it'd be oh professionally. You said. I mean, to be honest, I'd probably say Landon. Okay. And what about I, coach? Coach. <laughs> mm-hmm. Y'all had to do this, didn't y'all? Yeah. I know. Which yeah. coach was most important to your success? Most important? I was. Mm-hmm. I. I, I got to say, I'll have to say Bob. And I say that because we started, you know, he kind of, he started me on, you know, the um, the path yeah. of being a professional. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, he taught me how to be a two-way player. You know, I came in and I was just, you know, me back. I was dribble, 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 dribble. I never passed the ball. You know, and he's like, yo, you can't do this. You got to learn how to play football the right way. So I just think from him, just him being my first coach, you know, because we, you know, we, we had differences, you know, 2010 mm-hmm. World Cup. We didn't, we didn't always see eye to eye, Bob and I, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and he'll tell you that as well. We've had conversations about it. So, um, but we have respect for each other, you know, and I think that always stood there. We had differences um about different different things um but we always had that respect for each other and i still to this day i feel that if i needed something advice or whatever i could pick up the phone and call bob and say you know blah 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 blah, blah whatever but yeah i would say him i love it two more you okay. good for two more yeah go ahead okay what's the one thing that you will never do as far as what just anything oh, anything skydiving eat a oh. scorpion i don't know <laughs> <laughs> those are the two things that came maybe something that people do that you were like i'll never do that no matter what tiktok videos i'm not sure what yeah i'm, I'm definitely not doing that uh, i'm definitely not doing a tiktok video i'm not a <laughs> yeah, i'm not a social media dude so yeah. forget all that tiktok and the other names they got um i would say bungee jumping oh. <laughs> Okay. I would never uh, bungee jump. It, so at, at this moment, you've traveled all over the world. You've done so many things. What is at the top of your bucket list? Bucket list? Yeah, right now. What is something like at the very top that you need to do, that you haven't, that you really want to? And it's it's not easy. Like you can't just walk across the street and get it or order it. Right. What's at the top of your bucket list? I mean, there's two things. One okay. we talked about and the other one is soccer related. Okay. The one is I want to try. I want to go to a winery. I want to go to a yeah. vineyard. That was okay. one of my, I'm a, I'm a big wine, big wine person. You know, I want to learn about wine, you know, um, uh, I, I want to see how it's made, you know, I want to, you know, study it. I want to be a part of, be in, in, what's that word? Um, like a sommelier. Yeah, there like you go. Being, you want to be I in the culture. In I want to be in the culture. Do you have a wine cellar? Do you have a wine cellar? What's that? No, do I do not have a wine. No. Well, was that, was that, a, wait, is that a serious question? I know it wasn't a serious question. I knew it was a serious question. That's why I didn't answer. I was like, wait, wait, what? No, I do not have a wine cellar. But, uh, but yeah, that's one thing. Uh, the next one is um, I want to be a, I want to be a fan. I want to go to a Boca River game, and mm. w- w- either one of the stadiums. You know, um, I think that'll be the ultimate uh, uh, fan experience as far as you know something I had never done. And another thing is the another one is the Barcelona Real Madrid the El Clasico. Yeah. You know, just being a fan and being able in that experience in that culture to be able to see 
you know, how it's all done during the week and, you know, in the paper. Because, I mean, I've, I've been a part of, you know, Ranger Celtic, Man U, Man, Man, Man City and those things. But, you know, Boca, Boca River and and uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, those, those two are on my bucket list to go when it's, you know, COVID and it's safe. Love it. Bees, this was so awesome. Thank you for giving us so no much problem. of your time. No problem. I appreciate and, it. No, no problem. And digging in. No, respect, I love that. I love respect. it. Whenever, whenever, y'all, whenever y'all need me to come back, please just yeah. let me know. Yeah, part we need two. a part two. Coming very yeah, soon. part two. <laughs> You'll be the first part two we, that we have. Bet, bet, bet. All love, man. I appreciate y'all. Thank you, man. Appreciate right, it. No problem. Charlie, I loved that conversation with Demarcus Beasley. Gosh. I feel like I say this every time, but it's hard to just pick one thing to take away from that. What's something that pops to your mind as to that's a part of the conversation that I like the most? What I love to hear from DeMarcus was his take on paying respect to, to the players who came before you, knowing the history of the U.S. men's national team, the players who kind of basically paved this roadway for you to walk on. So, it, you know, it's I look at it as Kobe Jones, DeMarcus Beasley, Eddie Pope, Claudio Reyna, Landon Donovan, all these players who came before me. And then in my position in particular, you know, Eric Winalda and, and some of these players who, who scored a ton of goals for the U.S. men's national team, that's the guys who, who made it possible for me to go out there and represent my country because they – they continue to, to progress the game in our country. So I think it's really important that these players coming on now know exactly why they're playing the game and, and how they got to play this game because of players um, like that in the past. Yeah, that's a great point. And also just reminds you that this is kind of why we're doing this, right? We want to share these stories. We want these players who have meant so much to U.S. soccer for a number of years to be able to tell their side of things. And you mentioned it in the podcast that these are a lot of, or I think it was before we even started recording. And these are a lot of things that you have known DeMarcus Beasley for a long time, and you didn't know the answers to a lot of these questions. And so I think that is so true. And it's cool that we get to share a part in telling these stories. For me, I loved how we talked about how it's not, you know, at the beginning of this, we're saying everything that he's done and he's one of the most accomplished U.S. men's national team players of all time. And yet he was like, I j it just didn't happen. There, there are steps that happen where you go up and then you go down. And he was talking about the process of becoming one of the greatest. And I think that from everything from not getting his cap for a few his first cap for a few camps to his attitude when he was at these big tournaments and not playing a lot, I think really is not only impactful for his legacy because that then a little bit rubbed off on you, right. Mm -hmm. And it impacted you, but it's impacting people as they hear it today. So I just loved that conversation. He's so funny and I had a great time. That's why he's one of the all time greats, not only on the field, but off the field. He, right? He's a legend in, in every sense of the word. So Right. It's always an honor to have bees uh, on the pod. Yeah. Well, let's talk about things that are happening right now. The U.S. Women's National Team is back in Orlando, Florida. It feels like they were just there a couple of weeks ago because they were. Uh, <laughs> they're getting ready for the annual She Believes Cup presented by Visa. Now, this tournament, we've got our eyes on every single year, and 2021 will be no different with Canada, Brazil, and Argentina joining the field. Charlie, the other cool thing about this year is you'll be able to watch all six games from the She Believes Cup, not just the USA matches on the Fox family of networks with coverage on FS1 and FS2. And our good pal, Lori Lindsay, will be calling those games Okay, on FS2. Lori. So we'll have to listen in for her, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I love listening to Lori. She's so dialed in um, and she's just a wonderful person. So yeah. um, shout out to Lori Lindsay and the USA. I know they take on Canada on February 18th, Brazil on February 21st and closes out the tournament on February 24th against Argentina. Mm. So you don't want to miss that. Also, earlier this week, the U.S. men's national team schedule for the spring began to take shape. Greg Berhalter's side will face Northern Ireland on March 28th at Windsor Park in Belfast, Northern Ireland. I am hyped for this one. I remember my time in Northern Ireland back in the Milk Cup days. So oh, yeah. uh, this will be great to see, you know, some of these players coming back together. When you talk about Gio Reyna and Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams and Christian Pulisic, all these players who are, who are having uh, quite a deal, quite a uh, – all these players were having a ton of success with their clubs. As U.S. soccer works to secure another opponent for March in Europe, the match against the Green and White Army will be the second for the U.S. men's national team during that window. All right. So another – it's not just one game. It's two, which is yeah. even – I mean, for you and I, that's even better, right? <laughs> yeah, give me four. The, right? Give us all the, the matches. Uh, this, of course, will fall at the same time that the U.S. under-23s take part in the CONCACAF Olympic qualifying, slated to take place March 18th through March 30th in Guadalajara, Mexico. Something you know a lot about, those Olympic qualifying games. Let's can get, get going. Things are heating up. I mean, we haven't been to the Olympics in 2000, since 2008 in Beijing. So It's time. It's time. It, if there's ever a time, it's now, especially with this generation. We see what they're yeah. doing right now in Europe. Um, and MLS. So let's get these guys back in the Olympics. We're all going to be watching and supporting them. Mm-hmm. And and thank you again to everybody listening yes, to this episode of the U.S. Soccer Pass Podcast. As always, we ask you to please subscribe, download, and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, tell your friends and your friends' friends about us. Yes, we're cool, I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you laugh, so I'm not quite sure if that's Yeah, true. no, we, we are cool. <laughs> yeah, we have cool guests. That's that's definitely the case. So uh, thank you guys again. And Charlie, we'll be back soon. Sounds good. 